If you've been playing video games for as long as I have, chances are that there are a handful of them that you've played as kids that you could never beat for one reason or another. If it wasn't the cartridge freezing on you, it was the game's sheer difficulty because you hadn't developed the reflexes yet to take on those NES hard challenges. I remember many a day crying in frustration to my very deaf parents that the game cheats so that the game is unfair. So how gratifying, then, does it feel when you finally conquer a game you never thought you could? That's the subject of today's episode, where we'll discuss the long game, as well as a few that still kick our asses decades later, next on Downloadable Content. Welcome to Downloadable Content. I'm Brian, and with me we have Ron. Hey, everyone. And appearing for his second time ever on Downloadable Content from Bombad Radio, we welcome back Jeremiah. Hey, it, it definitely feels a lot more than two times, but yeah, it's only, yeah, it's only been two. You know, yeah, you, you've suggested a few, including the one we're about to do, so I'm glad you could finally, you had some, some time to kill and could join us on this. So, welcome back. Oh. So before we dive into today's discussion, just want to remind everyone that every single episode of Downloadable Content can be found on iTunes, YouTube, Stitcher, Google Play Music. It's also all on our website, dlcpodcast.com. You can find out information about upcoming episodes. Let us know if you want to be in on an episode. Give us ideas. Give us feedback. Let us know how we're doing. It's all there. DLCpodcast.com. And one more thing I actually would like to do before we get going is, Jeremiah, I know you have a podcast of your own, so if you want to take a minute and let the listeners out there what you do. Um, yeah, I run uh, the Bombad Radio podcast, which is actually kind of a, a network-ish because we have sh- lots of shows, but uh, we mainly talk about um, talk with voice actors and uh, authors and people like that. And so with voice actors, of course, we have a lot of crossover with games, but uh, we're not solely game-focused, but you can find us at uh, www.bombadradio.com. Recently, we had uh, Natalie Cox on, who's probably most famous for being in Reese, uh, Son of Rome, and in... Uh, the Force Unleashed, where she was Juno Eclipse, but uh, she's still doing video games, and so we had her on the other day, and uh, uh, that was exciting. Awesome! Thanks much for that. Yeah, I know you, you do a whole bunch of different stuff. As you know, I know downloadable content is all video game stuff. You go all over the place. Yeah, I, I call it my ADHD. It's like, I can't focus on something. It's to focus on everything. I, I mean, hey, whatever works. It seems to be doing pretty well for you. <laughs> yeah, when, when it works, it works. Excellent. Excellent. But yes, so we are going to be talking about games that for 
one reason or another, you know, we played as kids that really, as kids, they just really kicked the crap out of us. Again, the idea for this episode was suggested by Jeremiah, so, you know, we all have them, especially if you've been playing video games. You know, I've been playing video games since I was four you know, I'm about to turn 32, so, you know, we're talking almost three decades, and, you know, you rack up games during that time where, you know, you play them, and you for you just cannot beat them, but then you go back years later for some reason, maybe you're just a glutton for punishment, or you're just... You, you just have a mood, you're in a mood to play a certain game, and you finally wind up conquering it, you know, you know, it must feel pretty good after all of that, and I'm sure that we all have, you know, a short list or a long list of games that fall into that category, so, Jeremiah, as you're the one who suggested this episode, I'm gonna let you go first, what games pop into your head that took you a long, long time to beat? I'll start with uh, Dragon Warrior 1. Uh, as, a, as a kid, uh, I didn't own a Nintendo. I went to a friend's house to play their Nintendo, as you, as you do. And I, I could never... That, that game is hard as an adult. That game was hard then. And uh, yeah, I remember as a kid, we'd get to a certain point. We'd be like, oh, we feel so proud. We got to the dragon the first time. The first dragon. And uh, you know, we feel so good, but we never ever get past a dragon. And so I think about it two years ago. I decided to start my playthrough of every Dragon Warrior slash Quest game, and you know, started with one on the tablet, and finally was able to beat it. But my goodness, it was it was not. I thought it'd be easier as an adult. No, no, it's just I had more patience to uh, to grind. So much more patience to grind. <laughs> yeah, you know, I I definitely agree with you there. I mean, I think Ron, I think you you've beaten all of the Dragon Quests, have you not? Um, I haven't beaten five and six because I haven't played them, but I've beaten. The, the console ones that have come out so far so um so like one one through four seven through nine and then uh, ten and eleven are, are MMOs or, or they're selling Japan so but yeah no like that Dragon Quest is definitely one of those games where it's like oh like it's it's 1v1 and like how hard can this be well, you have a dragon that breathes fire on you, does like seventy damage. And you're like, well, that that that's that's how hard it can be. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I decided. You know, I did the same thing you did, Jeremiah. Uh, I embarked on a quest to beat all of the numbered Dragon Quest games. Immediately following my quest to beat all of the numbered Final Fantasy games. So, you know, I my introduction to Dragon Quest, the, the just the franchise as a whole, was eight. And after beating that, I went back and played the earlier games. And yeah, I mean, I picked up Dragon Warrior, you know, the original, on the Game Boy Color. Ooh. And it, it was a, it was a it was a cartridge that had both Dragon Warrior one and two on it. And yeah, I can definitely see where you're coming from. I never played. All of my Dragon Warrior experience came as an adult, so I was not even... I'd never even heard of this series as a kid. But 1 and 2 are definitely up there with the difficulty. Especially 2. My my, my goodness. I'm glad I didn't try 2 as a kid. I would have broken my Nintendo. You know, I almost... Bro you know, I played 2 on an emulator because when I bought the, the Game Boy Color cartridge, 
apparently I, I must have purchased a cartridge that had just a drop left of its battery saving function. Because, uh, because, yeah. because after I beat Dragon Warrior One, I tried Dragon Warrior Two, but at that point, uh, the battery could no longer hold a save. So it's like I had just gotten enough out of it to beat the first, but not the second. So the second, I wound up playing on an NES emulator, and my monitor almost got broken. <laughs> yeah, Kamikaze will do that to you. Oh my God! So. You know, when you finally beat Dragon Warrior 1, that, that must have felt like you reached the top of the world. <laughs> and then you go to 2 and you get to that cave and you're like, death, 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 <laughs> death, death. Like, why does everyone have death? Oh, I, oh, so bad. So bad. Just the difficulty spike in Dragon Warrior 2 going to the final island. It's like, whoa. <laughs> Like, how long those dungeons are, and you're like, how do I even get through this stupid cave? And you, yeah, like, how long is this goddamn cave? I've already used the three of my resources. What do you mean this is a second floor? And there's three more to go. <laughs> and oh, by the way, no save points in dungeons. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that that that, that uh, that's a concept that they came out with the Super Nintendo, folks. You had to uh, one shot these dungeons. So good luck with that. Which is why I have fallen in love with emulators. Save states are your friend. <laughs> Yeah, no I, kidding. I, I did like I reason why, actually the reason why I stopped the emulator is because how it saved. Because I remember I, I played Final Fantasy five and six on emulator, and I beat six, and I was going through five, which is a long ordeal. But I got near the end, and one of my roommates got on the emulator and hit save state early. Yeah, yeah, that's a problem. And that's I never touched five again. Uh -huh. Never played it again. <laughs> yeah, I, I I can understand that, but. You know, then again, right now in my in my home, the only person who plays video games is me, so I don't have to worry about that problem. <laughs> I don't have to worry about somebody accidentally overwriting a save file or or anything like that. So, which is good. So, yeah, yeah, Dragon Warrior One, I can definitely see where where you go from there. Ron, what about you to start off? Um, for me, the probably the one that I remember playing the most as a kid and never beating until I was an adult was uh, the second Zelda game, so this would uh, Zelda 2 The Search for Link, I think is what it's called, or am I wrong uh, in that name? Castlevania one, the side-scroller? Yeah, the, the side-scrolling one. So, like, and, and the reason why I had so much trouble with it wasn't really due to the fact that um, I mean, okay, it's a difficult game to begin with, and there's some bug errors in it too not just the NPC named I am error but uh so I had two issues one was at, after a certain point like I had no idea where to go because there's just the overworld map and then the towns and then the dungeons and like that was it and I had like no idea like there was no like NPC hint or anything like that that, that you usually get nowadays, where it's like, oh, you need to, you need the, you need the fire spell to melt the ice blocks to get up, to get up the fire, to get up the um, ice mountain. Uh, there was no hint like that, and I think, I think where I got stuck specifically was, I had to get a boat, which by a boat I mean ladder to cross a, a, a little stream river to get to the next dungeon. I never got past that part. And here's where the other issue came in: is I had. This was the card. This cartridge I was playing on has uh, 
was also a, a fa uh, family friends, and their thing was that the cartridge only saved like a certain number of times for the battery reset everything, and you lost all the save data. Ew. Yeah, so like, like you could play it for like a week or maybe two, but then the battery like gets jostled or gets reset, and then like you lose all that data, and you're just like, well, there goes ten hours of progress. Which yeah. for, for the original Zelda and Zelda Two, I mean, that's a lot of work. Yeah. Uh, and so when I went back to it as an adult, I did use an emulator and. I'm glad I did, because playing this as a kid, I would have broken my controller during, trying to fight Thunderhawk. <laughs> because, holy crap, that's a, that's a dumb boss fight. Yeah, I can, I can definitely see that. I mean, Zelda 2 was not... It didn't really draw my attention as a kid. Not in the, not in the way that the original Zelda did. And I mean, I haven't beaten the original Zelda, but that's just because I was just lazy and be like, no, I don't want to do all this rote memorization crap. But uh, <laughs> but Zelda 2, yeah, I can see where you would definitely have some problems with. Yeah. I didn't even know Zelda 2 existed as a kid. I could play the original. I remember Link to the Past, remember Link's Awakening, you know, the ones on the Game Boy, Game Boy Color. But I never knew Zelda 2 existed until I got the cartridge that I stupidly sold back in the day, the Legend of Zelda Collector's Edition, one with a oh. four games And then I saw this game, I was like, oh, what is this, Zelda 2? And I started playing, I'm like, what is this crap? I'm going back to the first <laughs> Well, yeah, there's, a, you know, I Am Error basically describes the game. I, I think Nintendo probably feels today that that's one that they might have just shoved under the rug. Just be like, let's pretend this never happened. Like it's also in terms of the timeline, it's also a really weird one to put in the timeline too, because it's like, where does this belong? Like, like what? Ganon's a pig now, and Zelda's asleep. We don't have to go rescue her because, or rescue her with the Triforce. We have to. It's literally, like, literally the whole the whole point of the thing is to prove that you are who you say you are, and that you're actually Link. And upon doing so, the prince is going to wake up because you proved that you're the hero of time or something. And I just call it the prequel to the TV show and leave it at that. Yeah, that's basically what it ends up being. <laughs> you know, and so, you know, you beat this as an adult. So, you know, what was it ultimately a satisfying end for you? Or were you just like, thank God that's over? <laughs> I mean, I was, I was glad that I beat it. But it was also a case of like, okay, I literally just get done with Thunderhawk. And let's see how this last boss is and... Spoiler alert, Blast Boss is Dark Link, and I'm like, well, this is going to be a tough fight. Oh, wait. He doesn't seem to, he doesn't seem to react in certain ways like I do. So if I just crouch, block high, and shank his ankles a million times, he's going to die. That's what happened. <laughs> yeah, Dark Link was definitely a, kind of a letdown of a boss once you realize, oh, wait, he doesn't... He, like... So they had coded it so that he... The, 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 that he would mimic your movement and like if you stabbed above he would shank you in the, in the ankles but they never figured out a way to like if you put yourself in the corner like how how do you like stab him because like you can't jump on him you can't because you just walk forward you can't like stab high because you're blocking high so all we all he does is just like tries to stab you through your shield and all the entire time you're just like uh uh you're just shanking his ankles and taking out his Achilles heels. 
and watching him bleed out slowly. It's the death by a thousand cuts method. Yeah. Oh. Compared to compared to Thunderhawk, where it's like, oh my god, you're moving across that damn screen a, a million times because you gotta dodge, you gotta play bullet hell in 1988. So. Yeah, and good luck having the reflexes as a four or five year old to it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, that'll happen. I mean, even now, I still don't have any patience for bullet hell games, but. That's a completely different story. <laughs> so, for me, uh, the one that I will open up with, you guys have I've brought up two Nintendo games, and I think a lot of this discussion is going to be with the older consoles. Um, for me, I'm going to go Sega, though. I'm going to go with Sonic the Hedgehog 2. Ooh. There were, there were several reasons why, as a kid, I could just not beat this game. For one thing, I never owned a Sega Genesis. So, the only times I could get to play Sonic 2 were either at my cousin's house or at a friend's house, whether they had the cartridge or if they had money, the Sega channel, if you all remember that. Oh, <laughs> Jesus. So, 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 Brian, I feel like we need to address the Sega channel for all of, for all of three minutes. Like, Okay. So... So, so for those of those who don't, aren't aware, the Sega Channel was literally the it was 1993's version of online gaming library. Only instead of it being a, through the internet, it was through a cable connection. Yep. And you would literally buy a little adapter, which was like twenty bucks, pay like a five dollar a month subscription service. And you have access to like fifty games on the on the Sega library, and it and it updated every two weeks. Yeah, it updated every two weeks. I mean, this was basically for Sega, and I feel so bad for Sega sometimes because a lot of the things they came up with were so far ahead of its time. You know? Oh God, jeez! Like I mean, like. Like, literally, they came up with the Sega Channel 10 years before we even had the flipping technology to even think about having an online gaming library for, like, the 360 and things like that. <laughs> then they had the Dreamcast, which was uh, also, like, ahead of its time in terms of technology with the save systems and basically, basically the PS2, two years before the PS2 came out. It's not right Essentially, yeah. I mean, it was basically like a little cable modem attached to your Genesis. And, you know, it did. It took like 10 years later before we finally got something like PlayStation Network and Virtual Console and things like that. It was just like, it just never, never caught on really. But yes, so I'd go to a friend's house and play Sonic 2. And I always got stuck at Act 2 of the Chemical Plant. Always. Oh, yes. Always. And we all, and everyone who's on here listening out there knows exactly the point in that level I'm talking about. <laughs> I don't know, okay, so, so here's the thing, Brian. I've played Sonic 2 and I've beaten Sonic 2. I have no idea what you're talking about. I do not remember having any issues in Chemical Zone. Well, bully for you. Uh, it, was the, it was the part in the level where uh, you have to keep jumping. It's where the sludge rises and you have to keep jumping up to get out of it. Oh, yes, 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 that part. You know, you get to this, like, narrow sort of chute 
and you have the moving blocks which will go up and over and down and this and you know the the purple sludge rises to the top of the screen so now you are underwater and you know i've played every resident evil i've played every silent hill eternal darkness darkest uh, darkest dungeon no no moment in video games scared seven-year-old me more than the sonic is about to drown music <laughs> that that 11 seconds of you're going to drown and the music getting faster and faster and it's just like ah! <laughs> <laughs> I, I never could get past that because, you know, you'd hit and it's just like, ah, you just lose all sorts of concentration and, and Sonic would drown. So, it finally took me getting the Sonic collection on GameCube. That's when I owned the Sonic games for the first time. You know, early days of college where I was finally able to sit down and just finally b get past it. And once I got past that level, I just, I paused the game and I'm like, really? R that was, it was that easy? <laughs> <laughs> and one, and then the rest of the game was, you know, mostly smooth sailing until I got to the final boss, you know, the death egg zone, where it was just like, oh my God, how many hits do I need to inflict on the... <laughs> on this giant robotnik with spikes at the end of his arms and oh i uh actually have a scary moment for this game too um i played it on i believe it was this one on the sega game gear you know the oh yes monstrosity um there's another another thing that was, that was definitely ahead of its time so I was playing playing it on Game Gear on a road trip. It was my friend's Game Gear and Ron, like a five hour road trip. So you know it's a perfect thing to play. And so you, we're on... so you brought so you brought two packs of batteries with you is what you're saying. <laughs> no. Uh, so we're on the last <laughs> we're on the last level and we had never beaten it. I'm like, oh we're gonna do this. And that little warning light goes on. Uh oh. Is it the five minute <laughs> warning? That's about how long you got. And we're going through the last level. We failed the first time. So we're going through. The thing's going, thing's going, we're getting near the end, and it just dies. Entirely. And we never, we're like, we're not playing that again. Nope. I nope. beat this. I know I beat this. I, 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 we'll just say we beat this. <laughs> we were too close. We'll just, we'll say we're done. We're done forever. Well, well Brian, I, I mentioned this story before, is that, that that was my thing with Mario 3. Remember? I, I, I Yes! <laughs> like, so, 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 like... Brian, in your opinion, did you do, do you think I beat Mario three? You know, I I, I I would say yes, even though you never saw the credits. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for for Jeremiah and the, and the listeners, I as as a, as a seven year old, I beat Mario three. Only I played the game eight hours straight, and the cartridge froze when Bowser was falling off the screen after taking the last hit of damage. Oh, yeah, it's far worse than dying in the last in the cartridge freezing in the last level yeah, you, oh you you of, you officially you 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 did make the final action of the game so you know i i consider that a win yeah so so <laughs> and, and like and, and me this is a seven-year-old self i'm like i think i beat the game but it froze i kind of want to see the credits and see what happens so i went to eat dinner and half hour later still stuck on the screen i'm like okay i guess i'm not gonna see the credits but he's dead because he's literally falling off the screen and then I'm like, all right, I, I, I did it. So I, I'm, I'm done with this game. I'm not <laughs> playing it again ever. So. 
I mean, I ultimately wound up beating the Mario games uh, after Mario All-Stars came out for Super Nintendo and that wonderful save function happened. Yeah, save continue. Uh, and they all came out on Game Boy Advance and said, oh, look, I can play all the original games. That is ultimately how I beat the original Mario Brothers, actually. That's another one on my short list. Uh because I could never beat it, I could never beat it as a five-year-old. Because the game would, the cartridge would freeze. I also didn't know about that wonderful little thing called uh, holding A and start on the game over screen. Yeah, to, restart, <laughs> to restarting your current level, yeah. Yeah, never knew that. Never knew that yeah. until I was like twenty, and I'm like, what? That was like that was like one of those moments where time stood still and my entire worldview just shattered. Like like what what? You mean I didn't have to start all the way back on one one this whole time? No. Get out. <laughs> but at this point, get out. Yeah, just that that's it. And then you know, begrudgingly, you know, I grabbed my Game Boy Advance. I popped in Mario Brothers. And I made it to World 8, you know, 8-3, game over, a start, and I'm like, fucking hell. <laughs> fucking hell. Yep, yep. Uh, and I did ultimately beat it, and, you know, I felt so smug, but also so pissed at the same time. Because I'm sure yeah. that that a start thing was probably in the instruction manual if I bothered to read it when I was four. Yeah. Like, folks, listen, like, we jokingly say this, but no, seriously, they texted you to read the instruction manual before playing the game. Because they, they're they like, why would we need to tell people how to play the game? Because surely there's this pamphlet right here that we that, that clearly says, like, what all the buttons do and, like, all the little tips and tricks to help you get started to enjoy the game more. Like, surely they'll read this. Yeah. No, no, no. no. We, we, we threw that we threw that bad point in the NES and just started playing. We'll figure out the buttons because we go live. Uh huh. Yep. And now we have now with modern games we have in-game tutorial. So it's like, all right. Yeah. Yeah. Now with modern games we have tutorials that last three hours long. Kingdom Hearts Two. I look at you. This. <laughs> oh, that's. It was the the moment I found out about that A start thing. It was just like you could hear the sound of glass breaking in my head. As you know, my childhood just right there. Uh, oh well, Jeremiah, you have another one. Another one that I couldn't beat as a kid that I could beat as that I beat as an adult. Um, so I was thinking of quite a few of these because um, you know I, I didn't own a console as a kid. Um, oh really? But I, I always went to a lot of friends' houses and 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 did that. And so, like, well, this one wasn't because I, it was hard, but it was because if I played it at my house, my mom would, you know, uh, try to cleanse the home. And that's because I snuck home uh, Duke Nukem 3D when I was a child. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> oh, oh, so so, and, so you didn't beat this game because of the opposite end of the spectrum. It wasn't because it was too hard. It was because you had, you, you had the ultimate end game boss of your parents to deal with. Because, you know, like, on my computers at home, as a kid, we had... But Duke Nukem 1, 2, and 3, the side-scroller ones, you know, the original ones. Yep. And yeah. so I was like, look, Mom, it's another Duke Nukem game. And she's like, okay. And then she saw the game. <laughs> or I should say, heard the game, because we couldn't put headphones on our computer. We had, they had to hear what was going on. Yeah, I got in a lot of trouble for that one. Um, Shake it, baby. What? 
even tried sneaking the N64 version. Just be like, oh, we'll play that one because it has multiplayer and so No, it did not help. No, we still got in a lot of trouble. Um, so that, that, that one I played, I think, recently the World Tour version and you know, with extra levels and finally got to beat it. But it's, it, it felt satisfying. I'll say that because you, know, you never got to beat it as a kid, but it's definitely pure nostalgia for that one. But yeah, my mom, my mom like banned all those types of games. Like we had to remove like Wolfenstein 3D off our computer. We had to remove Dark Forces. We had to remove anything where like you could violently slaughter people, turn on gore mode, or you know use hunting knives and stab people in the face repeatedly. Yeah, we had to remove it all because my mom did not. No, not a, none of it anymore. Uh... And, and, and was this before or after Columbine? Just, just as a curiosity. Okay. Well, because like, because like, as much as I, as much as we laugh about it now, like that was definitely like the parents' number one thing for hating video games. Yeah, this was definitely before. What happened was like, we were almost getting things removed anyway, because like my oldest brother would play, you know, Castle Wolfenstein 3D, but he'd turn on God mode, Gore mode, slow motion, and hunting knives. So basically, you're hunting, you're killing Nazis with knives in slow motion with gore everywhere, and you can't die. Yeah, well, uh, they, they, <laughs> in that case, you just turn off gore mode, and like at that point, you're like, well, you're killing Nazis. Like, we, we, this is still a good thing. Like, we weren't clever what? enough as children to get around the parent block. Plus, they had a key to our computer back then. Like our DOS machine had like a key on it. Oh, I remember those. Uh, yeah, we 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 were at their mercy. Oh, fair enough. All right. All right. Just to, uh, to keep going on Duke Nukem 3D. Okay. Now, in my, you know, growing up, my parents, they didn't really care so much about the, you know, violence in video games and whatnot, but they just, they, my, my stepdad in particular really hated video games just as a whole. I mean, he thought he was under the delusion that video games would make you nothing more. You, you, you do horrible in school. You become fat and antisocial and lazy. And, you know, you're never going to get laid. And, you know, just no. Just so some I. Of those, some of those are true. The other ones, no, that's just not you know he he was trying to tell this to me a student who graduated with a 4.0 in high school but uh, you know but he you know there was one video game that really got a pass from him and it was duke nukem 3d like i could play on the computer as long as i wanted because you know my stepfather is the physical embodiment of toxic masculinity so you know, all this, all this, all the really, really sexist overtones in that game were A-OK from him. <laughs> so here's, you know, when did that game come out? 96. So here's, you know, 11, 12-year-old me, you know, just shooting up these things and, you know, giving, you know, pixelated money to strippers, you know. <laughs> And me thinking nothing of it, because at that point, you know, 12 years old, I hadn't discovered my penis yet. So I'm just going around shooting these great big pig things and, like, having a blast. (laughs) (laughs) So I hadn't hadn't understood what sexism was or what anything like that at the time. But, you know, looking back on that, I was like, now I know why he let me play that game so much. All right. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you know uh, what it was once i i figured out 
Um, cause that was still right around the time, you know, we did have AOL. So I would look up cheat codes for Duke Nukem 3D and I loved God mode because I'm like, oh, I'm just gonna use an, an infinite items. I'm like, oh, I'm just gonna fly around everywhere on my hover pack. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, oh, yeah. these are places that I could never get to before. Yeah. E even even in the 90s, we understood the, the value of cheat codes and, uh, and and why PC games were, generally speaking, more enjoyable because of the fact that you could enter in these codes. You didn't need a $30 game shark to do this crap. You just need the PC itself, which yeah. admittedly is probably more expensive than all the game codes in the world, but... <laughs> Well, it's like playing uh, Age of Empires when you have a giant army of tricycle-riding babies with bazookas. It just made it more fun, like gunning down the armies of Rome with bazooka-carrying babies. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yep. All right. That's, uh, that's... Okay, I'll give you that. I'll give you that. Uh, Ron, another one from you. Um, For me... Let's see here. Uh, uh, ironically enough, as much as I love the game and it's my favorite game, I did not beat Final Fantasy VI as a kid. Okay, uh, just any, um, just just because. Um, so for me, it was an issue of I own the game, I own the cartridge, but I got like I got to the point where I had the, where I had the party left, where I had the party like all recovered. I didn't know like I didn't know a couple of the the, the uh, grinding locations, and I wasn't strong enough to do the dinosaur forest. So I was like, "Well, I don't know where to grind now to get levels." And uh, as I started looking it up, this little game came out called Pokemon Red and Blue, and I'm like, "Well, this th there goes the next three years of my life." So only three. <laughs> well, no, actually three because uh, because then I went on Final Fantasy VII, and then. Didn't ah. come back to Final Fantasy VI until ten years later, when uh, uh, when I got it on an emulator again, because like I still had the SNES and I could have played on the SNES, but the mobility of the laptop gave me more options to play it and enjoy it, and then eventually beat it because at that point in time I had figured out, oh, there's literally this desert that you can go to right outside of one of the towns, and it's nothing but giant. It's something but a giant purple worm and cactars. Okay. It's like, oh. And it's like, oh, so I so if I need to get magic, I just kill the cactar. If I need experience, I just kill the giant purple lizard. And then with Gao you leap a tri-star because everything else is pointless. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, it's it, it, there are no king metal slimes in this one. You actually have to Yeah, uh... <laughs> yeah but like but then like two hours after grinding I went to Kafka's tower and proceeded to body him with Jambok Saltima because that that was fun. Just like <laughs> I'm, oh oh you didn't let the first nuke here. Let me drop a second one on your on your dumb dumb clown head. <laughs> you know I I still was it six that had the character of uh, Sabin? Yes. 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 Okay. That, that was the one we. That's right because you could suplex the train. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Even to this day, anyone that anyone that speed runs Final Fantasy VI, they will suplex the train and then and then use a phoenix down on it. They will always do that. It is purely like 
the quote unquote the game isn't true unless you suplex the train. That's <laughs> the true run to suplex the train. Yeah, it's like yeah, I know we we're supposed to speed run this, but I have to. It's it's one of those. Yeah, like this it's not required, but it's required. You know, I uh when it came to that game, I did beat it when I was younger. But I didn't, until I was an adult, realize how to properly do Blitz and Sword Tech, and I was, suddenly the game became so much easier when I knew what I was doing with all those combos. The funny thing, too, is, like, I knew I knew how Blitz worked, and, like, I could do Bomb Rush, like, almost ever, consistently every single time, which, for those who don't know, try doing a 360 motion on an SNES controller. It ain't easy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the jo oh, when we had nothing but D-pads. Uh, it's, you know, there there are moments in video game history that are still so genuinely awesome with how over-the-top ridiculous they are, and that's one of them, you know. Really? I'm gonna... Sure, let's suplex a train. I'm, I'm wondering, what was Square thinking? The same thing there that Capcom was thinking when they decided to punch a rock. You basically took the analogy right out of my mouth. It was like, <laughs> like whereas Saban suplexing a train, you know, on maybe on the most tangential of levels made any sort of sense from an entirely anime perspective, Chris Redfield punching a boulder in Resident <laughs> Evil 5 just somehow stretched my credibility way too thin. I don't know why. I don't know why we're in my brain suplexing a train is more feasible than punching a boulder, but well, the way I envision the way the way my the way that I, I envision it nowadays is if if I tried to explain it, this is this is the this is a world in Final Fantasy VI that is starting to rediscover magic, and they're, and they're only really now starting to like actually test the limits of the physical physical human body for literally a thousand years of being in that assholes and barely scraping by so Saban's like it my, my thinking of it is Saban's thought process is okay I know I'm really strong and I have the, all these like like fancy marsh, martial arts techniques but this is a train I can't suplex this thing oh god I can't oh dear god what the hell have I got myself into and it's just like this is like there's an analogy that's usually sometimes thrown about in in D and D. The general analogy is when you cross over the threshold from being a human to being superhuman. And I, for me, suplexing the train is when you cross over that threshold. <laughs> so, which version did you guys play first, the Super Nintendo one or the PlayStation? I think it was on Final Fantasy Anthology. I yes, say it came out. Yeah, anthology. Yeah, I but... played it. I, did, I had the um, SNES version first, and then I had the anthology version, and then I beat it on emulator. So yeah, for because me, emulator, was just, em, emulator was just a case of like, uh, I it, like I enjoyed it on on PS One, except for the lag. I think I got to shortly after World of Ruin when you re, re, reunite with Saban, and I'm like, okay, I can't deal with the fucking loading screen. Holy dear God! If I want to deal with the loading screen, I'll, deal, I'll play it on S Eight. <laughs> basically for me it was the, that was my introduction was the anthology version i mean my introduction to final fantasy 7 was final fantasy was final fantasy 7 so after playing 7 8 and 9 i then went back and was like oh so what are the rest of this what are the rest of this series all about and so 
the anthology version was my my intro to six and i just i just love it so much but you couldn't suplex kefka could you um i don't think so that'd be that'd be funny <laughs> i don't think you could but i was also due to the fact that like he was probably dead freak at the suplexing him because at that point it's like well i could suplex you or i could cast ultima five times i, I think i'll go with ultima five times all right yeah fair enough so uh, all right, one more from me, and then we will cut to break. And so, the last one for on my list is the original Star Fox. Star Fox on Super Nintendo. That wasn't that hard. I could never get past Venom. The second to last level before Andross could never do it. Okay, that was a difficult level, sure, but I didn't, like... Then I, whenever I got to the Star Fox, like, I always had, like, eight or nine lives by the time I got to the Venom, and I lost three or four there. And then I'd lose the other half of them fighting Andros, but I'd always end up, like, the first, like, five levels are so easy, though, I, I could... That, that's weird. They were, for, but just for me, just there was something about Venom that I just could not get past it for the longest time. And... You know, I beat, Star I mean, Star Fox 64 for me was a cakewalk, but then, I think it was a couple years ago, um, my wife got me the, or somebody got me the Retro Duo and the Star Fox cartridge, so I popped it in, I'm like, alright, let's see if I can do this, and now it's pathetically easy, but back then when it came out, I could not, I would get to Venom and just hit a brick wall. Touche. Yeah, I, could, I mean, I, I, could, I know it was, I knew it was difficult, but I, I, I was like, oh, this is difficult, but I've got a bunch of lives. I'll just like throw bodies out until he dies, and that's what ended up happening usually. It was just, I mean, it was also a, a game that you know, another one that you know, I never owned as a kid. I had a Super Nintendo, but I never owned Star Fox, so it was just another one where I would get to play it at friends' houses. Yeah, but that's why I never beat it because you know they had such a thing as Street Fighter Turbo and other games that I could play you know, the shorter games doses. With games with multiplayer. Yeah, the shorter dose games. Yes, I mean it was it was on Super Nintendo that I I fell in love with Mortal Kombat, for example. Again, my parents didn't mind the fact that I was playing this M-rated video game at age nine. It was just that I didn't play too much of it. <laughs> That's weird, because I was able to play Mortal Kombat. Um, I had the Game Boy one first, but, like, they had no issue with Mortal Kombat on Game Boy, and I'm, you know, ripping people's hearts out, but Duke Nukem, ha heaven help us. The 90s, 90s parents were weird. They had no idea what the flip they were doing. <laughs> Neither did politicians. Oh, wait, they still don't. <laughs> they, I was waiting for I was waiting for somebody to make the political joke, and there you go. Jeremiah's the first. <laughs> I was gonna say we've gone this long. I'm surprised we haven't made one sooner. Yeah, and it's just like oh, and you know that just sort of uh, brings back you know sort of memories of Joe Lieberman and what the hell was that lawyer's name? Jack Thompson. Of, uh, uh, I, I, I am so glad that asshole got this part. <laughs> <laughs> it only it, took long, two, what ten years, fifteen years? I don't. Fifteen years and him sexually harassing a, a, a paralegal. That was <laughs> that was what did it. It wasn't the fact that he was just lying out of his ass. It was no, no, no. We we have the the, the sexual assault. 
Just I could be I could be wrong on that. It could be someone else I'm thinking of. There's a lot of sexual assault cases being thrown around right now, so uh, yes. <laughs> yeah. Well, and and now of course you have like Supreme Justice is like uh, is it uh, Kagan, one of the newer ones, and she's talking about how she left my Mortal Kombat as a kid, and she's in the Supreme Court Justice now. Ha 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 ha! That that case was really fun in front of the Supreme Court because there were comments about how many of them like you could say clearly played Mortal Kombat, and how many of them were like this game is of the devil. I could just now see it now, you know, Justice Kagan just you know looking at. You know, somebody who's arguing a case of, finish him! And just... No, 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 <laughs> get over no, here. no, no, yeah, she's pulling out the chain, man. She's not, she, doesn't, she doesn't care about killing him. She wants to stick the chain through their chest. <laughs> Thank you, c- congratulations, our major, major court decisions pr- uh, decided by Scorpion. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, he's got a point. It's better than forward, forward, back, back to the bicycle case. <laughs> Ah, memories, memories one and all. All right, so we've got about 45 minutes here. It's a good place to close. So on our second half, we are going to talk about games that still beat our asses, no matter how many times we play them, no matter how hard we try, they still own us for some strange reason. So that'll be on the second half. But for now, you're going to have some music, as is our custom You are listening to The Long Game here on Downloadable Content. We'll be back.
Welcome back to downloadable content. We are all still here. Um, we were uh, trying to figure out the best way to beat um, Marble Madness. <laughs> there is no being the madness of the Marvels. What are you talking about, Brian? Mm, you know, you know, I, I, there's an arcade in New Hampshire that is in the Guinness Book of World Records as the largest arcade on the planet. It's called Fun Spot. And I have been there now a couple of times because for me it's a four and a half hour drive. Doing your mind's worth out of it. Yeah, you do. And like the the top floor is all old arcade consoles, like 30, 40 year old arcade consoles. Marble Madness is one of them. It's so weird playing it on. I'm I'm used to playing it on an NES controller. Using an arcade joystick just feels like a completely different animal. Yeah, but. But yes, so on our first half, we talked about games that we had a hard time with as kids, but ultimately beat as adults. But on the second half, we're going to talk about games that, for some reason, still make us their bitch. And there's no other way I can put it. It's games that no matter how long, how much we've tried beating them, we just cannot beat them. So we'll keep the same order as we went around in the first half. So we're going to start this one off with Jeremiah again. So what's a game that still still beats the crap out of you, no matter how hard you try? So you're going to find a commonality on this list of these are games I love and I continuously go back to and stay I love them. But this one is uh, the game that made Bioware famous. Uh, the original Baldur's Gate uh, came out in 1998 on PC. Um, I've played this as a kid. I've played this as an adult. I got considerably farther as an adult. I got to the end boss, but I just couldn't beat him. But like, this game is hard. Even when you're fully, like you're at your like level, let's say it's a D&D, so like level 18, 19, you know, you're, you're supposed to be really beefed up. You can still die in any battle. You can walk in a room and everyone die if you hit the wrong buttons. Well, it's not just the ba- it's not the wrong buttons. This is it's also the RNG. If if you roll bad a couple times, well, in Baldur's Gate, that's based on the second edition of D and D rules. And I don't care, I don't care how well geared you are. You roll badly twice in D and D, you're gonna die. And if you don't know what Thacko does, and you don't work with Thacko, you will suck. And I still don't know what really Thacko. I know it does something with like resist no one, points. No but... one knows what Thacko is. <laughs> Even the people who made Second Edition don't know what Thacko is. They just, all all they cared about was that the math made sense. That's all <laughs> they cared about. And so like you, yeah, any any battle you could lose and win. And so you just it, it, it's it's a, it's a game that well, as a kid was way too freaking hard for me. It was way hard. And then as an adult. I, I, it's not it's not the same system of grinding as you do in say Final Fantasy other ones. No, the leveling requires a lot more there's a lot more to it and so being able to like when you're stuck at the boss and you can't go anywhere else anyway, what are you supposed to do? You, you you're just kind of stuck there forever. And so I, if I couldn't beat him, I couldn't beat him. So I'm going to try again recently cuz I got the ex- uh what they call the enhanced editions. So I'll try yeah. for time number 3. Um I I've heard good things about both of them and they should run perfectly fine on Windows 10, but I I've just never been able to beat them. Dark Alliance, yes. 1 and 2. But Baldur's Gate, never. It's just, it's really hard. Like, I, I, the only game that I'm familiar with in the Baldur's Gate video game series is Dark Alliance 1 and 2. I've beaten those, but I've never played the, uh, the original Baldur's Gate. And yeah, I know, I mean, I knew that they were based on the D&D second, yeah, yeah, say on, you know, which is, which is funny because that was the first edition that I learned how to play D&D on. And, uh, 
I still don't get it. I mean, AD&D, you need a degree in calculus and algebra to figure out some of those rules. So I can I can understand um, your plight there, especially, you know, if you run into RNGesus, it's... <laughs> you know, that's, that's kind of how Darkest Dungeon works as well with its enemies. Like, I, I, I said uh, on Facebook, I said, you know, Red Hook Studios, which makes Darkest Dungeon, uh, said they probably... They, Darkest Dungeon is the embodiment of the Jean-Luc Picard quote to Data that you can do, you, you can, can do, do everything, everything right and, and still, still lose, and still yeah. lose. Yeah, you can yeah. do everything right and still lose, and that's that's how I s- sort of feel with games like, as you're describing, Baldur's Gate, and with Darkest Dungeon. You could go in with the perfect party, you know, all your items, everything equipped, magic items, f- battle tactics, whatever. One like critical hit from the enemy, and that's it. All your plans are torpedoed. And that's my game, Brian. Is Darkest Dungeon? Then I then I will go to you. <laughs> yeah. So so for me, my issue with Darkest Dungeon is more so is that RNG factor, and it's a case of like, yeah, I can go around like even if I'm playing on what is it, the easy mode they call it radiant the radiant mode. I can go around in radiant mode, still be playing, like, grinding out in the first couple levels with, like, a level 6 or level 7 party, which is, like, the end six game is, 6 is your max. Yeah, so, yeah. I could be do- go- going around like a level 5 or a level 6 party, and still, like, if I get a couple bad rolls on RNG, they get super stressed out. Like, I can't use them for the next, like, two dungeons because they're sitting in the sanitarium or in the bar drinking their, drinking their problems away. And it's just like, okay, I, I have these, like, seven or eight super strong people, but I can't throw them into anything because they're basically sitting on the edge of a nervous breakdown the entire time. And I can't do anything to, like, alleviate that, that stress. Even in the middle, even mid-dungeon, there's only, like, a couple ways you can alleviate the stress, and one of them is the camping. You only have a certain amount of camping supplies that you can go into a dungeon with. And it's just like, I, I can... I can remain stable i can't i can't build up a a, i can't i literally cannot build up a stable of people that are all above like level four level five past like level past like six or seven of them i can't get that far i can't get like a group of bodies strong enough to throw at the darkest dungeon itself just because of the fact that like i literally can't get them to stay alive well, I have some tips for you, having just beat the game. <laughs> uh, Crusader's going to be your best friend. Oh, yeah, no, Flip, the Crusader is really good for helping to alleviate stress. It's like one of the three classes that can do it. Yeah, it's... it's the, the other one, the... Uh, Houndmaster. The Jester. The Jester can and so can the Houndmaster. Yeah. And, like, they're good for it, and I... Generally speaking, I would uh, I would abuse the jester a bunch, or basically like like the, like basically for me what ended up being for my main party was like I think it was leper, occultist, cleric, jester, and it was basically just like the first two just cleave the uh, the, the the bad guys in half while the occultist and and uh, and jester play support duty. Where Jester removes stress and then the cultist just heals them, and I just take the occasional stress hit 
and just heal it back up with the Jester. Yeah, I mean, I realized for the Darkest Dungeon, um, have you beaten any of the of the main of the four Darkest Dungeon levels? No, I haven't even like I haven't even gone into any of the Darkest Dungeon. <laughs> okay, then I won't spoil it for you, but. Uh... Let me just say, be prepared to revise your strategy multiple times. Oh no, shit! Like this is like, I, I, I in my opinion, Darkest Dungeon is a game that is 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 like is the game that you that you basically throw at people to figure out just how much of a glutton for punishment someone is. Because for 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 me, like I really don't want to have any anyone die. Like I, I hate when I have party members die. I really hate it when, like, they get removed due to things beyond my control. And uh, in Darkest Dungeon, like that's that's not only like a possibility; it's to be expected. Like you're expected to lose four, five, six people before you actually like stabilize and get a cat cadre of folks that you can use. And I have an issue with this letting them go because like my thinking is I can eventually just make them super powerful why would I want to spend more money on and more more, more money more time and more investment on someone unknown that the RNG decides my, when, my, when, when in actuality I should be letting these people go it's just it's a flaw with me not, not necessarily with the game my my friend Wyatt gave me a, a, a good bit of advice for playing Darkest Dungeon, and he said it's a it's as much leveling up your characters as it is leveling up the town. Yeah. And you know, when you get when you build up all of the different components in the town to a hundred percent, it makes grinding characters and leveling them up easier. But yes, I mean, the point of the game is permadeath. It's going to happen in great abundance. Yeah, and that's just an issue that I have, is just, in general, with the difficulty of the game, where, like, it, they expect permadeath, and I and I make it unnecessarily hard for myself to try and not have that happen, so... Now, I, I wish you luck. I mean, I, I've really enjoyed the game... I sank 99 hours into the game like, before, uh, before like, I finally I can, beat I can, it. <laughs> I can recognize it being a good game. Like, I have no problems being like, this is a good game. I've already spent, like, 40 hours playing it, but, like... Oh, I've, it's hard. Yeah, it, it's hard, and trying to beat it without having a permadeath occur is probably impossible, but I'm still trying to do it anyway. And I wish you luck. I hope that's the, I hope that's the case. Never play it on the hardest mode, then. Oh fucking no! You should you you, you got your goddamn mind. If you think I'm gonna play this on normal or hard mode, I <laughs> no. I'll stick to I'll stick to radiant. Thank you very much. This is one that makes me, makes me feel like my my insane goal is beatable. I totally forgot that I had set my difficulty for radiant when I started it because when I beat the game and got the achievement for beating it on radiant mode, I went, wait a minute, I that was easy mode. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah. Like, like, see, the thing, like, and, like, the reason why Radiance is considered easy mode is because once your higher level party members get to a certain point, you can't throw them into the, into the, 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 the lower level dungeons. Like, you need to send in, like, once they get to, like, level six, like, you guys basically can't use them again until the darkest dungeon. 
or if you need to use them for other levels, hard levels, for resources or things like that. Yeah. Yeah, that's... And, and, and then it ends up being a case of, like, you need to have just enough people that are strong enough to clear the hard content, but then you need to constantly be recycling these lobbies to farm out resources, basically, and level up a town. Yeah, and, you know, Radiant Mode has, has one bit of... Uh, one major change that isn't in the normal mode, but I'll, I will let you figure that out. I will not spoil it for you, at least not on air. <laughs> Though, if you haven't, if you've, if you've only ever played, by the way, just come back to my real quick. Yeah. Dark Alliance, you should really play Baldur's Gate 1 and 2, because there's a reason why almost every top RPG list will have at least Baldur's Gate 2 in the top 3. Yeah, like, Baldur's, every single Baldur's one. Gate or Icewind Dale definitely are worth the revisiting. And Shadow and Shadow of Am is uh, uh, universally you'll see in the top five. It's it's because it's that good of a story. It's really hard, but it, it's that good of a story. And Icewind Dale, of course, um, and of course newer ones. I guess they just did Pillars of Eternity and Tyranny, but definitely Baldur's Gate one and two. Uh, they they're classics for a reason. You know, I, I I I've been wanting to give Baldur's Gate a try, so I'm gonna um you know. I, I will also say this: Number Winter's Night is also worth looking yes. into. It's so. The, the benefit of Neverwinter Nights over Baldur's Gate is Neverwinter Nights is based on the 3rd edition rule set, which means it's not nearly as much thacko math, but there's still some wonkiness to it. Alright. Yeah. So, uh, moving on to, to me, and I think this particular game is on a lot of people's can't-beat lists. Uh, going back into the into the old pool, uh, Ninja Gaiden. Tanks. <laughs> that tank. Oh, Ninja Gaiden. <sighs> World six two specifically, uh, where it becomes so much of a test of reflexes. I mean, most of the game is already that anyway, but the final. World World Six is almost impossible because not only do you need to, not only is it a test of reflexes, but it's also one of those games where it's a scroller. So if you move back and go forward, the enemies that you have already killed respawn. Yeah, that one. And unlike say like say like Battletoads World. Or whatever, where you have to be at the front, you can't see any bad guys, you have to kind of memorize everything. This one makes you think you can get through it just fine. It's not like Battletoads, you're like, I see nothing blind. You think you can do this one fine? No, no, it's no, not at all. Like, there's only like one pixel's margin of error with a specific jump, otherwise, you fall down, you're dead. How about, how about, just, just to, to... even on an emulator, I just, uh, I no, know. yeah, like. So, so to, to kind of poke fun at, at Ninja Gaiden more than anything else, do you know what the world record is for speedrunning it? I'd have to say like four minutes, five minutes. It's eleven minutes thirty nine thirty. I'm oh, sorry, eleven minutes thirty nine seconds. Wow. You know, and yeah. and from, I, from 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 start to finish, it takes them twelve minutes. And I I grew a uh a, more of a hatred for Ninja Gaiden. Um, after seeing Bit Brigade perform this, I don't know, Jeremiah, if you're familiar with the video game music group Bit Brigade. 
I do. Uh, I don't think so. All right. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll explain their shtick to you. All right. The way it works is that you have a band and you have one person in this band who is known as the player. Now he is live. He's playing live. He is a, a particular video game while the band behind him is playing the appropriate level music of wherever he happens to be in the game. Interesting. So, and I've they, they've come to PAX pretty often, and so I've seen them a few times. So the first time they came to PAX, um, this, this guy, he speed ran through the original Legend of Zelda while the band behind him was playing all the appropriate music, <laughs> you know, you know, and in, you know, sort of like a hard rock fashion. So, you know, every time they, he gets into a, a dungeon, they play the appropriate dungeon music or when he gets it back onto Hyrule Field, they play boss music. Yeah. Wherever he happens, they happen to, they play, you know, what the music that's supposed that you would normally hear in game. So, and he speed runs through this. I mean, they're not going to be like world record times or anything like that, but this schmuck of a player, who I both love and hate, he went through the entire Legend of Zelda original in about 40 minutes. He found every power, he got every power up, everything. Like, it, Ganon took three hits, done. <laughs> like, 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 he, like, he found every heart container, every power up. Didn't you also, like, one year you went to PAX East and they were there and, like, they were they did a speedrun of Mega Man 2 and then they beat that in, like, 40 minutes? Yeah, um, I'll tell you the four games that I've seen them do. I've seen them do the original Legend of Zelda, the uh, Metroid, uh -huh. Ninja Gaiden, <laughs> <laughs> and last year was Mega Man 2. Okay. So, and they've done other games as well, but those are the four that I have seen live. But Ninja Gaiden really, really stuck in my craw because they even played the music that, that you hear during the cutscenes of that game. So it was like 35, 40 minutes with the cutscenes. He didn't have to... <laughs> they didn't have to do the cutscenes, but they were playing the, the music that you hear during that. And uh, he got to level 6-2 and he gave me... And I'm like, okay, where's that one pixel? Where is that one spot in that level where if I jump at the exact moment, I'm good. I need to, I need to like scrutinize this and figure and be like, okay, where exactly is Ryu positioned to make this jump without hitting like any of the bajillion enemies or projectiles that happen to be on the screen at the same time? It's like I, I, I was so amazed and so disgusted at the same time watching this guy play through Ninja Guy like it was nothing. Just like, oh, uh, yeah. Meanwhile, I'm just like, Ay! <laughs> I can't do it. I can't. I'm weak. 20 years I've been trying it now. No. no. Not at all. Just, just give up and go play some uh, some D and D inspired uh, uh, RPGs. You know that you know, <laughs> I said. Yeah, <laughs> I said on Facebook the other day. I said, you know, I beat Darkest Dungeon, so now I'm going to play something that's bright and cheery in comparison. I'm going to play Pyre, which is you know, <laughs> mythical three on three basketball, but 
that's another that's another story all right another one from you jeremiah um okay so this is one that i played on Nintendo 64 i bought it from the virtual console on the wii and i own it on 3ds and that's majora's mask i've beaten ocarina of time every possible version you could think of um i but majora's mask I, I don't know i think it's just a stress level i just get too stressed when i'm doing it and then i don't have time to go back because i'm just remember being stressed and so I got it on 3DS. I'm like, I'm gonna see if I can beat it on my on my 2DS. But like, I, I've tried it multiple times, and every time I get um, halfway, probably half the dungeons, I want to say, but I've never ever been able to beat. It. I'm just I just way too stressed to continue, knowing that that countdown's always happening. And I like taking my time in dungeons. I like taking my time with puzzles. No, you can't do that in that game. You you don't have the time to get lost. That's interesting. I've never actually... I, I did not expect Majora's Mask to be on anyone's list. But I can I can understand that. I mean, that is a game that forces you to really think on your feet. Which is something that you're not really used to in a Zelda game at all. In Zelda games, you know, I'm, Zelda's a franchise where I'm perfectly fine going, Oh, I need a game guide for this dungeon. Click. Okay, good. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm okay with that in Zelda games because some of the puzzles like... I don't know how a 5-year-old or 10-year-old is supposed to figure out this puzzle. <laughs> Let alone someone who's 30. <laughs> and, yeah, I, I've just never been able to beat it. I want to. I've beaten every other one, even Skyward Sword. And I didn't like Skyward Sword, but I've never beaten Majora's Mask. That is interesting, because, I mean, I... Ocarina of Time was the first Zelda game that I had ever completed from beginning to end, so... I can see where that time mechanic can throw can throw you off. That's 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 a, that's a gameplay mechanic that you don't typically see. I mean, even if you slow down the clock, I mean, you slow it down, but it's still there. Yeah, because you know, like I played like what ages and seasons and so on, where I got lost a ton. And that's part of the game. You get lost, you try to figure out these things, but like there, if you get lost, you're stressed that you're going to mess up, and then the moon's going to hit, and you're all going to die a terrible death. You've met with a terrible fate, haven't you? I, that's one of my favorite lines in all of video games. <laughs> that's like I use it's like I've I've used it a couple of times in in D and D sessions. <laughs> You've met with a terrible fate. Dawn of the third day. <laughs> all right, but and you know I always. Meanwhile, Majora's Mask for me was one of those where I was just like, "Oh, I've got some time to kill. I'm just gonna look up and just watch the moon slowly descend." And because I'm a, because I'm a nerd, I'm thinking, doesn't that fuck up with all of the tides in Termina? Like, shouldn't the oceans be going absolutely apeshit with this giant thing? <laughs> I think they're more worried of the fact that they see the moon with a face coming towards them. Yeah, well, yes. I mean, there is that. But, you know, here I am trying to Neil deGrasse Tyson my way, uh... At, through Majora's Mask, and I'm just it's like, oh yeah, no, 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 alright. Move on. <laughs> alright, another one from you, Ron. Um, for me, mine, this is a game I tried being as a kid, I went back to playing as an adult, and after, like, playing it both as a kid and adult for, like, 30, 35 minutes, just be like, no, no, I, I, I'm good, thank you, no more, please. It's a game called, uh, Blaster Master. I've heard of it. I've heard of that one, too. So, for Never those played. who aren't aware, this was a game that originally came out on the NES way back in 1988. 
Now, I rented this as a kid from the mythical land known as Blockbuster in 1991. Uh... Before they switched over from Nintendo to uh, Super Nintendo games. Now, uh, the relic of Blockbuster. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I had rented this, and for back then, I believe it was five dollars for a five-day rental but though that might be the later later blockbusters i'm thinking of but anyway i rented this and got home put it in played it for about 30 minutes and i was like something about this ain't clicking with me i, I i'm i'm gonna have mom and dad take me back to the blockbuster and return it and hope i can like do a like refund for something else which I think ended up being uh, DuckTales that's a good game too well, yeah. much easier yeah well I want to say easier but it's, it's, it's definitely beatable I'll put it that way and then I went back to this game as an adult with an emulator and be like okay I'm going to try this now as an adult again I started playing through it again and I, like another 30-35 minutes passed and I'm just like yeah, no, this is just not clicking with me. Like, I, I can... Something about this don't sit right with me. And I, and to this day, I still can't, like, put words to it. But it's just, like... Something about this game, to me, just rubs me the wrong way. And I can't figure out why. And I can't put words to it. Even though I've seen, like, speedruns of the game and be like, Okay, I know what goes on here. And I know the plot of the, of the, of the game overall. But I, I just can't get into the game for some reason. Like this is just a game that like I can't, don't want to play. I understand that perfectly. Did you guys um, in the nineties? You guys remember the Worlds of Power book series where they had books for like Metal Gear, Blaster Master, Me uh, Mega Man, uh, Simon's Quest. I want to say like there were the books and they have like little codes in them as well. But the, the novelizations of these games, a little bit. I'm I'm so I had, I'm looking at the uh, the uh, pictures of what the covers were. Yes, I remember those. I never owned any, so, but I remember seeing them. So I had like the Metal Gear one, which I read a lot. Um, it actually helped me beat the original Metal Gear. Because <laughs> I'm doing this. That game was hard. And Simon's Quest, which helped me beat that game. But the Blast of Master, when I read, read the book and I went to the game, like I don't understand how the book connected with this game. I I couldn't beat it either. I just did not click it. Was, there's something that just i don't even know why they made a book out of it either it's like when they made a book out of mega man 2 made more sense than blaster master <laughs> so 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 brian uh i'm going to read off to you the wikipedia article that explains the plot <laughs> so the plot of the adapted western release of blaster master is shown at the beginning in a cinematic slideshow as ominous music plays in the background the game starts with a person named Jason, who is a pet frog, named Fred. One day, Fred leaps out of his little fishbowl-like aquarium and out the door. Fred touches a radioactive chest and grows into an enormous size. T-virus. Yeah, Fred and the chest then fold into a hole in the earth. Jason chases Fred down the hole, which leads to a large underground cavern. Isn't this the start of Undertale? <laughs> Listen, 1988 here. While most sources say that Jason chased Fred down the hole, the game's instruction manual says that Jason fell into the hole while searching for, while trying to reach for Fred. 
there, he finds an armored tank named Sophia the <coughs> Third. A vehicle designed to fight all radioactive mutants that live inside the Earth. Jason bound Sophia to find the whereabouts of Fred and to destroy the mutants and their leader, the Plutonium Boss. <laughs> the opening sequence has been described as, quote, one of the greatest scenes in all of video games. <laughs> Lies. In AD 2101, war was beginning. <laughs> yeah, so... How are you, gentlemen? Yeah. <laughs> so, so the actual plot is um, aliens evade some space planet and a science academy sends down this armored tank to try and defeat the army. And the, they just choose a pilot to, to pilot the thing. And that the Japanese version is the game's opening sequence shows the Blaster Master, which is actually called the Metal Attacker, drop onto the battlefield. Like, they, like, literally just, like, drop the thing in from orbit and it survives re-entry and just lands and just goes to bodying people. Just, oh, just, just, I love, by love, I mean hate, and by hate, I mean love, <laughs> how, how the Western audience and the Western game studios decided to bastardize and totally re- rewrite the like opening sequences and the the the, the like totally redo the, the 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 actual plot of some of these games like how do you go from a alien invasion of a planet with scientists sending out a last ditch weapon trying to defeat that army into a kid and his pet frog touch some radioactive rocks and fall into a chasm in the earth and we now have to start, start doing a journey to the center of the earth adventure while he looks for his radioactive frog in, in a giant battle tank yeah yeah that not even jeremiah can come up with an answer for that it's just like <laughs> like um no i i've got nothing like this is like pure 80s 90s just like what are you thinking like we know you're high on something but what are you high on please just so i know not, not to take it for myself <laughs> yeah that's just and I'm, I'm you know i'm looking at the article here and apparently it was also an insanely difficult game because uh yeah. it, it there's no because we all rem- do we all remember the fun that was the password system for the nes yeah. the yeah. notebook so you had to write down everything yeah oh my god i wish i still had my my notebook for p- all the punch out passwords but that's another one that I have never beaten, but that, that wasn't on my list. But um, yeah, just there, there, there are no passwords and there are no save points. Yeah. So you have to, so you have to one shot this entire game. Mm-hmm. That's just. I mean, I have Blaster Master just by virtue of the fact that I have a RetroPie. And I put the entire NES library on it. Yeah, how much? How, how large is that library? Like thirty megabytes? Uh, it's the entire NES library, including Japanese-only games, is four hundred megabytes. Yeah, that that that's like five hundred games. So <laughs> that, that that's that's actually more like two thousand. Yeah. Don't you just love technology, kids? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> 
I, I, I love emulators have become my friend so much. You know, I used to be one of those where it was just like uh, eh, piracy, but now I'm just like, oh, yeah, what? Fuck it. It's amazing how that how your mindset changes. <laughs> yeah. Until you make it all available on the virtual console, anyway. Why? <laughs> Pirate. I, I I don't think Nintendo is going to be making any more money on games like Karnov or <laughs> or uh, or the uh, you know Wheel of Fortune or Paperboy or you know anything like that. So. The, the one final game that I will close with... Well, we might have some time after uh, after I'm done with this, but we'll, we'll see. Another game I'm going to add to the list. And this only I only put this on my list because... Uh, it's funny how these things work. I was... I'm scanning in a bunch of negatives that my mother had. Just old negatives from when I was a kid or even before me. Where I was born, and so I came across this one picture that I scanned in yesterday. Of it was me, four-year-old me, playing an NES game, and I recognized what was on the television you, screen. Hang on, hang on, Brian. Did you, did you use Photoshop to enhance? Enhance what? <laughs> my point. That's my joke. Never mind. If. <laughs> I looked on the screen of what I was, uh, what, I was, what this four-year-old me was playing, and I realized it's a game that I have not beaten, and that is Burger Time. That's a name I haven't heard of in a long, long time. <laughs> Burger Time, where you are playing as this chef named Peter Pepper. Aha. <laughs> And it's a puzzle game, and you are trying to go around the board making burgers. You're trying to... You're, you're, you, you, the object is to create something between, like, four or five burgers in each level. And you're being chased by enemy foods. <laughs> you know, we're talking about, you know, oh, this is one of those Oh Japan moments. You're being chased by evil hot dogs and eggs. And you you have... <laughs> um, Freud would have so much fun with that game. Oh my god. You, you, while you're making these burgers, you must avoid the antagonists. What were there? And... Oh yes, you had the hot, you had evil hot dogs, you had evil eggs, and you had evil pickles. <laughs> and if you came in contact with any of them, it was, you know, it, it's definitely like a Pac-Man clone, but you're armed. You have like two or three uses of pepper spray that you use to stun. And if any of these enemies happen to be on a component of a burger, whether it's the bun or the patty or the lettuce, they will die and get replaced by another one a few seconds later that comes in you know, off the screen. But you, And occasionally there would be items that pop up during the level, which if you got them would add points or they would add additional uses of this pepper spray what you what you mean ketchup and mustard and lettuce and tomato please say they don't have you shooting mayonnaise at them no you, your only weapon is pepper spray 
Oh, good. Cause, you yeah. know, yeah. That, <laughs> <laughs> um, apparently, according to the Wikipedia article, uh, the original Japanese title of this game was called Hamburger. <laughs> oh, Japan. Oh, Japan. And it was changed outside of Japan to Burger Time to avoid possible trademark issues. Jesus. Oh, man. You, you, I, you know, and apparently this game got a, ga- a Game Boy port in 91. <laughs> wow. Jeez. Like, Why? This, it, again, people, for those who are listening, this was the 80s. Video games were new. Please forgive people for being stupid. Hell, there was. Let's see, there was a sprite game. It wasn't a sprite game. It was a 7-Up game. Oh, oh, licensing. Genesis. Yeah. Licensed license games were definitely a thing back then. And, you know, this is still. This is one of those games that even today, people are still playing it to get high score records. Yeah. And I'm just like, all right, you do that. I, I could only get as far as, like, level three before just the overwhelming difficulty of trying to avoid evil hot dogs, eggs, and pickles finally caught up with me. I'm just like, all right, now. You know, I think I now have a game that has topped uh, Shaq Fu as the weirdest game I've ever heard of. <laughs> uh, you should. Just wait, sh- no, wait, no, what are you talking about? There's Michael Jordan's, like, Halloween fun time, too, where it's, like... <laughs> Where, the, where this was literally the game before Shaq Fu that, that inspired Shaq Fu, basically. I forget the actual name, but it's literally Michael Jordan in like a, a Hanson mansion, and he's got a basketball his way around the place. Well, there, there's also that wasn't there a game on the 360 called Space Giraffe, which is supposed to be like <laughs> weird, just the name. I, I rented it because I was like, hey, look, there's a giraffe. There's no giraffe in that game. It's like a weird color puzzle thing. <laughs> you, you are right. It is called Space Giraffe. You're supposed to be high as a kite or something while playing it because I don't know the point otherwise and why it's called Space Giraffe. And that was a recent game, too. I mean, this game came out in 2007. Oh. Yeah. Three, Xbox 360. Quality games right there. Ah, mm. There's no giraffe in this game. <laughs> Well, I guess there is a giraffe somewhere. Yeah, and, I never saw this giraffe. And and the developer was Llama Soft. <laughs> so, I, I, mm, so we man. haven't escaped this yet. <laughs> I, I, I wonder if this was a bad joke taken too far. Uh, it, it it might be. I mean, I mean. Yes. Okay. Burger time is weird. I will give you that. But I mean, there's there's, there's a, like. Uh, a not more strangeness that I have in, you know, what about Dr. Robotnik's mean bean machine? <laughs> what was the, what was the one? There's a Mega Man game based on Tron Bon. It was like Tron Bon's Bonnie Bon, bon Bonanza. God, I can't probably remember. Find Tron, some of these weird bon. games in the Dragon Quest spinoffs. Cause there's the one where you take, where you like from the point of view of a slime, that was odd. 
Like, Never mind, it, was a normal, it was a normal name title, Misadventures of Tron Bond. Like, that was some some other weird name. Like, I know that there there are other games out there that you know still kick our asses. I mean, I know that some of you out there probably have some of the original Mega Man Mega Man games on your <clears throat> list. Yeah, Mega Man Nine is still one of the games I haven't beaten yet either. Like, but the, I've and I still beaten I've beaten Mega Man One through Eight, and I've beaten all the uh, SNES Mega Man X games. But for some reason, I just can't beat nine. I get stuck at the uh, at the platforming with the laser beam, where you have to freeze them with uh, cement. Like, like okay, so so first off, it's a section of the game, and it's like the first section of Doctor Wily's castle, where you need to freeze like these lava beams with cement, so you can platform up them and get to the ladder and get get up to the next stage. But I can't, for the life of me, I just can't beat that for some dumb reason. For me, though, Mega Man was one of those games, one of those series that I was introduced to as an adult. So I realized that I could only beat Mega Man 1 using an emulator and taking shameless advantage of the glitch. (laughs) To be fair, I, I think most people beat Mega Man 1 with with the abuse of the glitch so it's you're like, not it's like mario 3 with the whistles and uh all that a lot of people took advantage of that back in the day because it shortened the game by a lot yeah I, well i mean i think that's no different than you know beating the game beating uh super mario world uh by way of the star road yep yep or if you if you, or that new that glitch that they found I think like a year or so ago with the the credits glitch <laughs> that was just weird and of course when you finally get get these things to work you know it it makes it fun like you know original Pokemon missing O made it so much easier yeah unlimited rare candies but if you you know just finding it was just kind of the fun of the game finding all these little things that you know, didn't know where they are. Nowadays, if you find a glitch, you start throwing rocks at the studio and yell at them and tell their game's terrible until they close down because how dare they have a non-perfect programming in a game that's really long and they love 99% of it. Uh, it sounds like you have personal <laughs> experience there with that. <laughs> I, I will hold my frustration back for quote-unquote fans of Mass Effect series. Um <laughs> But uh, gonna oh, well, do a, just gonna do a free, before you just do a free play episode where it's just Jeremiah yelling for two hours. <laughs> I do have a, a, a one short one that I could say that I haven't been able to beat. It's an entire franchise, an entire giant franchise outside of the first Total War game. I played every single one, put hundreds of hours into it, but I've never been able to beat like the actual campaign for any of them. Never conquered the entire world. Never. It, those games are just... I, I suck too much to win, but I don't suck enough to not play. And I can understand that. Now, now, is, now, since I've never played any of those games, is that is that an open-world sort of game? Well, it's... it's think, um, think Risk, but every battle you actually control your armies. All right. And you can have... And the new ones, you can have several hundred thousand soldiers on the screen at one time. So it's strategy in battle, and then it's risk outside of battle, um, like building your resources and so on. So it's a strategy game, but like you control every battle. So like you can technically win if you're greatly outnumbered, if you know what you're doing. But like, especially the new ones, when there's hundreds of thousands of units, you like it's it can be really stressful trying to control your armies and just making it work. But 
And of course, everyone else knows how to manage all their massive resources better than you do. Um, uh, it, it's fun. Every, the battles especially are fun. Sometimes I just like create battles and play that way, but like the actual like full-on game, think risk if you had to control every aspect of every country and then every battle and relied on you being the general. All right. Probably not a game I would ever play, but it doesn't seem like my type of game, but that sounds like, I mean, if you're a strategy nut, that sounds like it's right up your alley. Especially the newer Warhammer ones. My goodness, that's so fun to have giant Warhammer battles. <laughs> All right. So, gentlemen, do we have anything else to add to this, to, to the list? Either uh, games that you took way too long to beat or games that you still haven't beaten? Or are we good? I think we're good. The one thing I just want to say is uh, on, on the subject of these developed games, part of them they were made difficult because they wanted to keep the longevity of the game going because they didn't know how to program long like they, they part of it was due to programming it's didn't know how to, to make to, to, to program it to make it be challenging and not unfair but also it was just due to the fact that of uh, hardware at the time where it's just like we only have a megabyte of data to work with for some of these games so you need to make do make the, the the money worthwhile investment and they did, they did it that by just making it really unfair and having the game being a cheating bastard also to further your point a lot of these old especially the older games they're arcade games they're designed to yeah. uh, so that you keep shoveling quarters Quarter suckers in. yeah touche so, definitely so but we have emulators and we have save states so maybe we stand a, a fighting chance now <laughs> maybe Maybe. Provided we haven't conditioned ourselves to never touch them again. Yeah. yeah. yeah unless, you, unless you're like somebody who gets 99% of the way through the game, something catastrophic happens, and then they're like, no, fuck this, never again. <laughs> I had the same... Ex okay, I guess I can add one, one real quick. KOTOR 2 on the Xbox. There is a glitch. About, I think it's World 3 or 4. You're talking to a hut. If you hadn't grabbed some Cathound uh, juice or something before that, you can never leave that room. Ever. And it's it's a glitch I was in the Xbox. I remember playing it on the Xbox and I'm like, oh, I'm doing so good, doing so good. And I got that glitch like 40 hours into this game and I can never leave that room. And I never played that game again for a decade. And just, nope. I'm not going to be glitched out of a game that far into it. It's a fun game, but that glitch was just like soul breaking. I can see that. I can understand that entirely when, it, when it's not your fault and it's a, it's a programming thing, so... And I didn't want it to start over. I'm like, no, no, I don't. I, I, it's not. It's not like I was going to a boss or doing something complicated. Where I was like, oh, I should save multiple times. No, no, it's like I'm going to walk into this room. Oh, I can never leave. It's not even a guy to fight. Wh what? Congratulations, you've hit Hotel California. <laughs> so. Alright, so, if any of you out there on the wide world of the internet have any questions, comments, anything you'd like to add to this episode, let us know on our Facebook or Twitter page. It's downloadable content. Uh, you could also let us know on our website, dlcpodcast.com. Send us some feedback. There is one more episode to go after this one. The next episode is our season finale, in which we'll be talking about... Uh, it's, it's the last episode. We're gonna we we started this year with the Switch, and we're gonna end this year with the Switch. We're gonna talk about how the Switch is looking 
you know, as it gets close to its one year anniversary. And so we'll, we'll go into detail about that. But yes, every episode can be found on iTunes, YouTube, Stitcher, Google Play Music, and the website again, dlcpodcast.com. So it remains for me to thank Jeremiah and Ron for being on this episode again. Thank you, Jeremiah, for the suggestion. We got a, we got an hour, uh, nearly two hours out of it. So nicely done. Thank you again for the awesome. suggestion. And I hope to return a lot sooner than I did this last time. If I can get people to actually want to talk, you know, Age of Empires four and four K and that franchise, if if I can. We'll see. I mean, the, the the schedule for next year. I I'm only starting to think about what I'm you know doing for next year. So, we'll see. We shall see. So, on that note, I am Brian. Have a good one, everybody.